Welcome to the latest edition of Reimagined Podcast Series. I'm here with Paul Brumnick. Paul is a supervisor in our Large Data and Advanced Methods group. Paul, maybe explain a little bit for the viewers and listeners. Everybody talks about large data and advanced methods. Um, What do we mean with that? Sure. Um, What we're looking to do in this this, uh, area is to see how we can optimize testing. So how to improve testing, uh, make it more efficient by trying to get away from using real physical hardware and moving towards a virtual world. So we're trying to inject simulation and mathematics into what was traditionally a very uh, hardware-driven uh, process. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to um, bring math into, into that, more into that uh, scenario and making things more efficient such that we don't have to uh, absorb all the costs of changing hardware as you develop, go through the development process. Sure. Track. So that's what we're trying to do, um, and we do, and we have a range of tools and systems in place to 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 inject that virtualization from right from the the, the desktop right through to the te- all the testing platforms right through to the vehicle testing. Yes. So a range of different uh, software solutions and method methodologies mm-hmm. to do that. So the challenges I'm I'm aware of or I know is everybody wants to all of our customer want to if possible mm-hmm. right. Go to 100% virtual testing. Yeah. You can give yeah. me an answer here how, how realistic that is. But I believe the key piece is the fidelity, the, the accuracy of the models we have, yeah. right? And for yeah. that, you need data. So how do mm-hmm. you get this data to bring into the model yeah. if you don't do actual physical testing? So yeah. can you shed a little bit of light on that? And again, give me an, mm-hmm. an idea what you it's, think is 100% possible is 50% virtual possible? Yeah. Um, yes, it needs, it, 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 the question often is, how good's the model? The question is that we respond with is, how good does it need to be? So it depends on what you're doing. Um, yes, you need data from physical hardware to create, to validate the models. So the important thing really is that it, the uh, the, the the philosophy of using models is is, it, is adopted in the whole into the whole process, not as an afterthought. And often what what happens is it comes to, the, the the idea to go go virtual comes in too late, by which time all the testing's been done, and it's it's kind of an add-on, mm-hmm. and you don't get the full benefit. If you if you uh, build in the strategy from the start, so you're developing your hardware as you're building your models, then it becomes more ingrained in the process, and it, it, there's more potential for benefits in terms terms of time and cost and quality mm-hmm. so it has to it has to it can't be an afterthought it has to be built in um of course the more money you spend on the models the better the models are going to be the more useful they're going to be so it's 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 a, a compromise you have to decide it's an engineering judgment as to how far you go with getting the models as good as they can be but certainly um it's not just about spending money, it's about cha- it's changing your philosophy, how you think about development. Right. And again, if we go back and say, some of our customers have made it publicly known they want to get rid of any physical type testing. Yeah. But I mean, in testing, don't you have to have the model, let's call it almost perfect? I know you mentioned for mm-hmm. some, the model needs to be as good depending on what you want to do. But yeah. if I want to replace yeah. physical testing... With virtual, then my model has to be 100% accurate. Or what, what am I missing here? Um, number one, um, 
when you te- if you're just testing one piece of hardware, you've just got one specific piece of hardware. You don't that doesn't give you any any idea of the variation of the population. So you might be calibrating for. So there was a risk that if you just calibrate on one vehicle, that you just that that becomes um, that fixes everything in stone, and you've calibrated a solution which isn't t- doesn't take into account variation, part to part variation, changes over time, etc. So just testing in 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 hardware is, is can be dangerous from that perspective whereas in the modeling world you can introduce variability much more easily you can do uh, much more parts of part variation um and it's much more easy to implement and cheaper um so uh, i think there's always going to be a need for physical testing you never you're not i don't think we're going to completely replace that what I'm, what i would like to be able to do is make that testing far more targeted so that we don't have to do everything for in, in the physical world and the the virtual um the the, the results we get from the virtual ca- calibration and, and virtual testing points us more targetedly to a better solution when we do the physical testing so we're not just doing everything physically we're just going to do more more specific um targeted areas mm-hmm. so that you get mo- mo- get the most out of our fleet and produ- and hopefully a smaller fleet and less less test trips. Sure. So that's the that's the goal. But I don't think we're going to replace it completely. So where do we are right now? Where are we are right now? If where are the most advanced customers we work with at when it comes to the division between physical and virtual testing? Are they at fifty um, percent? Are they at only thirty percent um, virtual testing and still seventy percent physical or just on a high level, I know it yeah. depends on component I, to component or system, but do <laughs> trigger to pick a number. I would say between twenty to fifty percent. Um, physical testing. Physical testing. Physical yeah. testing. Okay. Um, uh, it, it it's an on, it's an uphill battle always. Uh, it, it's it, it take your eye off the ball and it just it will because calibrates certainly in calibration world they'll they'll veer towards the vehicle rather than the virtual mm-hmm. much more readily. Okay. Because that's what they've always done. Yeah. So there's a there's a there's a whole mindset that change that needs to happen in in, in industry for that to um that to take take place. But um, I think until you've taken away vehicles and they have to go virtually, that the, there's always going to be a tendency to, to go towards go sit in the parking lot and do uh-huh. it. So there's that there's, there is that. Um, and when do you but, think the majority of people will let's say be at fifty percent physical, fifty percent virtual? Is this are we looking at another 10 years? Are we going to look at maybe the next two to three years? Just how do you see the industry moving and adopt? adopt? I think the big point you yeah. made is it's it's a mindset change, right? It's a cultural change. It's something it is, we yeah. haven't done in the yeah. past. Yeah. And maybe the the younger engineers coming out of school are much more used to it. So it's kind of a, yes. a blending can, until yeah. Yeah, they it's a take generational over, thing. right? A generational thing. Yeah, because there's many guys that in calibration departments have been in, sitting there for 25 years doing exactly the same thing so it's very much much more difficult to change them yeah when is the industry going to be at let's say 50 percent is it taking another five years is it it's, it's heading it's, it's always being pushed in that direction okay um the problem i think at the moment is there's so much change happening in the industry right such a lot of such a lot of hap- uh, changes happening that yeah. it, it's it's um, there's other, there's opportunities. So there's I mean, as people go to the to the Bev and the hybrid world, there's there's there are opportunities to um, pr- accelerate the virtual solutions because they're necessary because there's so mm-hmm. much more complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that 
there's definitely a push in that direction. Um, but it, it's, I, I think, like you say, I think with the generational change, as those, as those people go into management positions and they see, they see, they believe in the benefits of virtual, sure. it's going to be easier. Yeah. I think for the, for the, for, for the old school people, it's a bit, <laughs> a bit more tricky. For you and I, more difficult. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe let's switch and go to a topic that right now everybody's talking about artificial intelligence. Huh. How much do you, do we at AVL use it and how much in what you're doing again trying to move from the physical testing to the virtual testing does ai play a role yeah it's it, it's it's um there's a huge potential to uh, treat each vehicle like an iphone where you, you know you can upload all the information and then download new software and that's uh with those, especially with the with batteries. So with the batteries, if you can understand how the user is using this vehicle, you can optimize how he manages his battery on a very individual level. Mm -hmm. um, level. So it's very customized. So it's just like an iPhone to some extent. So there's that's the way it's going, but then there's the there's lots of barriers and, and problems and cybersecurity and data management and all that kind of stuff. So, but it, the, the, the potential is huge. So there is uh, a huge activity in that area, um, and it's driven also driven by you know customer demand. They, they want they want to have everything in their vehicle. They want it to be bespoke and, and customized, and and we see that with the with the Teslas, where you just get you wake up the next morning, and you've got a new set of software downloaded. Um, so it's going that way. Um, and it all it all that does all kind of link in with the virtual too, because you. The idea is one of the ideas is to build a digital twin of the vehicle that you your specific vehicle. So, if they have that in the cloud and they can understand exactly how you're going to use the vehicle, they can really give you the uh, the right software. So I think there's um, again a huge change with the fact that's coming. Sure. Yep. So I see. I see. I mean, we and we and our and AVL has a lot of experience um, worldwide in that area. So. And we're trying to we're trying to siphon it into into our little department here and get more uh, exposure to it. But it's um, a lot of customers are asking for that. I was was under the impression that when it comes to AI, and in the big piece, obviously, you need a lot of data, right? So the yeah, the system can learn and and grow and create new opportunities, new possibilities. But I always thought that. At least generally speaking, it's not a problem that we don't have the data. It's the problem is how do we mine it? How do we mm -hmm. mine that ever-growing lake of data, that data lake? Yeah. Is that true or do I see this wrong? Is, is the yeah. challenge in getting getting data or is the challenge in getting the right data or is the challenge really no data on the right data we have? The problem is how do we mine it? What do we? Yeah. What is the data proper to use for this or not? I think, that's, I think, that, I think you're right. The, the, the problem is there's... Is, is mining the information we need you know, what information can we gather from the this huge amount of data that's available so there's the, 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 there's no problem in getting data there's there's more data than you can ever 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 need um it's how to manage it and pick out from that the kpis that are, that are important so that's that's um so metadata you know having metadata to, to, to help you find to mine what you're what you're looking for uh, is a big part, 
a big area for uh, data data handling, data management. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a big area. Mm -hmm. But certainly, getting data is not isn't the problem. Uh, it all, you, know, you can there's as much data as you could ever need. But um, uh, finding the, the 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 nuggets of gold in that data that can help you, uh, prov you know, understand whatever you're trying to achieve, whether it's understand the customer's usage or whether trying to optimize. Uh, different routes or whatever it's going to be so it's a lot um, big area too yeah so we talked about virtual testing virtual calibration just virtual related to testing and simulation and, and, and calibration of propulsion systems ADAS systems whatever it might mm. be right customization that you just mentioned for entire vehicles that we talked about the software defined vehicle yeah how much speed can we pick up with that? I know there's a tremendous amount of complexity that your team also mm -hmm. has to deal with, but how much faster will this allow the industry to move? Where today we talk six plus months easily for, mm -hmm. for testing not only components, but entire systems mm -hmm. and subsystems, and that may just be the beginning, right? But as we're pushing to get vehicles out fast, as we're trying to follow the, let's say, the cell phone industry that comes up with a new cell phone every six months if they uh. want it, and we're trying to chase this because we don't want to drive around in two, three, maybe four-year-old technologies, why we don't want that, I don't know, but we just always want the mm -hmm. latest, right? So how much speed do you really think we can pick up with what your team is doing? Are we talking, are we talking weeks? Are we talking months? Are we talking years? <laughs> Give us an idea here of, of, of what we're... Uh, it depends on the... It depends. It depends. depends on the size of the program, yeah, yeah. of course. Um, if it's a huge program, then there's potential to save, like, maybe half a year. Really? As, a, as a... Yeah. Yeah. Which is tremendous. And, yeah, and, and improve... And we have improved quality. That would be the goal. And improved quality. Yeah, yeah. that's the goal. So, um, and the reason for that is you're not... You're not you're, you're delaying the onset of building hardware. So you min, you're, you're doing as much as you can virtually, so it's much more easy to iterate on design yeah, and, and yeah. hardware systems and integration. You do that all virtually before you get any hardware. Yeah. Then you slowly start to introduce hardware, and then you re-optimize, re and then you introduce more hardware, re-optimize, until eventually, when you time you actually get to the vehicle, everything's been re-up, you know, you've, you've thought through everything, mm -hmm. so that you know you have a very targeted uh, test plan with the vehicle. And there's no more like, um, oh, crap, the, the, we, the, the director's driven the car and it, it sounds like shit. We've got to go back and do it again, you know, mm -hmm. redesign the exhaust system. And then you have to, so that none, or, or there's an emissions issue that that is not uh, not discovered late in the day. It's discovered much earlier. So you're, and you're reiterating. So the, that's where the time, that's where the time and the cost mm -hmm. savings come in and the speed, ideally. Yeah. yeah. So if I envision a future where our models are almost perfect. Data is not an issue. We have more data than what we could probably use or need. Is ultimately the bottleneck to produce a new vehicle really is the actual production, getting the the physical material, getting the physical whatever battery cells, e-motors, engines, whatever it might be, and assembling this. It's not anymore the design. The design essentially is you press a button, you enter a few KPIs of what this vehicle is, you know, the size, speed, range, whatever mm -hmm. it might be. And the next day, orders are going out to material suppliers and that coming. Can can I envision yeah. it that way or is this? 
I think, I think, eventually. I eventually. Think, uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> I think um, with the number of different battery manufacturers and different and different control system manufacturers and levels, different levels, different software suppliers, there's going to be always going to be an integrate integration of hardware. Sure. It's going to be a thing, right? It's not going to. It's ever going to just come together and operate quick, quick, correctly from the start. So there's. Uh, but with AI, we should be able to do that. No, AI. I mean, be a little provocative here, obviously, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> you don't sound too confident. Uh, huh? I don't know. They're going to take over the world on this, so they're going to. The cars will be fighting back. I don't know. That's, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah. But um, uh, uh, there seems to be a lot of hype about AI, and, and, and uh, so I don't know yet. Let's see what happens. But, um, um, I'm not too worried about that. I'm thinking I'm, the fundamentals of uh, haven't changed. Still, they still have to. The, 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 what we found with when we go into into large OEMs is they have modeling departments and calibration departments and design departments. The problem is always bringing them all together so that you have a microclimate of like right, simulation, right. Um, design, and calibration under the same umbrella. Right. And that's very difficult to achieve organizationally. And that's why, yeah. they, that's why they struggle. If, with AVL coming, we can create that microclimate instantly in that, in, that, in that company and start to, and hopefully start to diffuse outwards. And that is where what we found works. But that, that is the, that's the problem that they have to overcome is, to, is, is organizationally how to bring those things under one system. Because uh-huh. traditionally, they're all very diverse. Yeah, yeah. The modeling team do their thing, the calibration team do their thing, the design team, development team, they're all kind of individual yeah. de- departments. Yeah. That's that's the, the so that's what that has to that's what has to happen. Um and that I think is a uh, is the challenge. Okay. Yeah. So you shared a little bit, I think, how far does technology the simulation, the data, the data analytics, the ability to to do more and more virtual calibration testing, virtual generally speaking, right? What do you see? What excites you over the next five years? What do you, what do you see happening over the next five years? Is it is it just kind of incrementally going? Is there suddenly we hit an inflection point and suddenly we go from you mentioned at the low end twenty and everybody switches to sixty percent? What 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 do you look forward to over the next five years? I guess I think uh, I'm looking forward to the to developing. So um, my background's mostly ICE, so internal combustion engines, um, and Hill, and um, personally moving into the BEV space and the and the ADAS space and the and the hybrid space with the, with the Hill. I think is a for me going to be interesting and exciting, and then also bringing in just the data intelligence side so um everything it's 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 she's changed the whole world's changing with, with regards to you know data and how um information is shared between vehicles and between infrastructure and vehicles and uh, and the way that's heading um there's so much research being done right now in development that uh that you're not really seeing yet in in, in the marketplace but i think mm. it's coming in mm-hmm. the next couple of years so it's going to change how we use and think about our vehicles. Um, so the world, the world's changing. Um, the mm-hmm. the work we have to do to support that, and we're still kind of being defined. We're still trying to work out exactly what is going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, but certainly, 
the, I think the one thing's not going to change is that the people are going to want to do they're going to need to do things as cheaply as possible and as with as much quality as possible as quickly as possible mm -hmm. so I don't think that's going to change so mm -hmm. I think that's where um the, the same the philosophy is still going to be of bringing in virtualization is still going to be critical I think the ones who can get it to market first um, with a pr proven robust product um, developed as intelligently as they as it can be that's going to be they're going to be the winners I think yeah so okay. so I see it but it's it's, uh, it's going to be very interesting for the next few years maybe the last question for you when at AVI we work with almost every OEM in the world to one degree or another some a whole lot more some a little bit less we're talking about data intelligence and how that is used. Is there a big gap between our customers that use it very, very heavily and the ones that are using it, but maybe from a mindset, a culture, a process, haven't really switched over? Or is the gap between what you would consider the leaders and the the rest, is, is it shrinking, is it small, or is there a big gap? Is there a lot of opportunities for the majority of the industry or is everybody kind of, they're all pushing this forward fairly quickly or is there a big gap between right. early yeah. adapter and that? So I must admit, I'm new to this. Data, yeah. data analytics is a new thing, but I, my impression is that the, um, so far is that the uh, some of the OEMs have really taken this data analytics very seriously and putting a lot of effort into it mm -hmm. and, and development cost into it. And I think they're leading the way. I think that they're going to lead the way and push the technology. And I think the new the newcomers are going to kind of come in behind that and, and uh, learn from what they're they're learning because of the large investments they're making. So I think the OEMs are some of the some of the ones some of them are particularly very keen on really developing and and working with the Department of Transport and all these all these different op, uh, opportunities that are that are that are occurring. There are um, really pushing that those opportunities and, and seeing what's possible but i think the smaller companies are going to follow going to follow in behind i think that's how it's going to work mm. from what i've seen and you see that across maybe i guess really last question now you see that across oems and suppliers or more on the oems that are pushing more this this data analytics for components systems subsystems yeah i think the Definitely being, I would say, being pushed by the OEMs. The prog it's just the prognostics and, and take, taking that data and, and predicting warranty issues mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, is I think that the OEMs are really investing into that, and that's where the money is. Um, I think the, the the suppliers are obviously they're looking at it, seeing what's happening, and looking for when they can, when they where they can opportunity, opportunities are. But um, yeah, I think that's how it's going to go. Mm. Yeah, it's it's kind of driven then probably by the, uh, return of investment, right? If you can, if you invest a lot in data intelligence to avoid recalls or avoid yeah. quality issues, that's where you get your biggest bang for your buck, and that's what yeah. they focus on. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Paul. Okay. Thank you. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.